remember the night that I proposed to Rebecca. After dating for several years, living through the highs and the lows of a college romance, praying for the Lord's leading, I was, I was ready. It was time. And so I had bought the ring and I asked Rebecca out to dinner and we got dressed up and we went to a nice Chinese restaurant in the big city. The plan was to have a great meal. Then we're going to go to one of our favorite parks. I would kneel down as the sun is setting over the lake. Kind of happened that way, right? I was good stuff, right? I mean, I, I had, it, we, we were there. So we had a great meal. And then when the bill came, you know, they bring you the tray and the two fortune cookies. And of course, you got to open those up and see what's there. And so I've got the ring in my pocket. And it's less than an hour before I'm popping the question. And I pull that little slip of paper out of that cookie and I read these words. Forget the entanglement of love. Forget about it. Forget about that. Don't get tangled up in love. Forget the entanglement. This is an actual picture of the real paper. It's in a scrapbook somewhere in my house. It, that is the, the advice that I got. Forget the, thank you Confucius, right? They forget the entanglement of love. Well, that little warning did not deter me in over 29 years, almost 29 years later, we are still tangled up in love. The entanglement of love leads us to do things we would never do otherwise, doesn't it? Uh, people throughout history have, have taken all sorts of risks and have, have gone to great lengths and have often died even because of love, whether for a, a spouse or your kids or grandkids, friends, extent, whatever the, the relationship, love is, is a driving force that, 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 uh, that, uh, that drives us to sacrifice and, and, and to make decisions that demonstrate how much we care for each other. The power of love really is a curious thing. And on this Easter Sunday, we commemorate and celebrate the fact that, that the power of love motivated Jesus to go all the way to the cross for you and for me. But, but as I've thought about that, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Because I, I, I'm not sure that I'm worth dying for. And I'm not sure that you are either. Now, don't take personally. It, but, but actually, from what I read, uh, it seems like we're not. He, uh, the passage uh, that we're going to be in today is Ephesians chapter 2, the first, first uh, several verses in e Ephesians chapter 2. And I think that does a good job uh, of describing humanity, you and me. And, uh, and, and you tell me, after we read these few verses, you tell me if, we're, if you think we're really worth dying for. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath kind of a grim picture, uh, selfish, disobedient, gratifying our, 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 our cravings, dead in our transgressions and sins, dead, that's, that's final, there's no coming back from dead. I don't think there's much evidence to suggest that we are worth dying for. As, as verse 3 says, it says we, we, we deserved wrath and punishment because of our transgressions and sins. 
The literal definition of, of transgressions and sins used there in, uh, by Paul in, in Ephesians 2 uh, simply means to miss the mark. Sinning is missing the mark of God's standard. So God's standard's here. Maybe we shoot for it. We don't get there. We've missed the... Have you ever missed the mark? I was reminded as I uh, kind of thought about this uh, this week, I was reminded of of uh, years ago as I served as a, as a youth pastor, I, I enjoyed taking uh, Salua students to camp, summer camp every summer, and, and uh, I was even the camp director for several years, and, and uh, I enjoyed it. There were times, though, <laughs> there were times when I missed the mark uh, when it came to summer camp. Specifically, I remember one summer, I was in charge of the games. So group games, hundreds of kids, middle schoolers, uh, midweek, uh, we got some great games going, and midweek we pull out the water balloons, right? This, I mean, you got to do that at summer camp. I had dreamed up a brand new water balloon game and it was sure to be a hit. Pun intended, right? Sure to be a hit. The, the game involved a, a couple of homemade three-person water balloon launchers. I mean, this is getting better by the second, right? Uh, one person holds the, the middle. It was a big funnel, and you hold the middle, and then, then we got these big stretchy, and, and so one guy's standing here, pull it, and the other one over here, and you pull him back, and you, I mean, launch. It really did launch these water balloons. They would fly. So at this camp, I, I knew, I'd been there before, and so I knew that at this camp, you got kind of the, the main camp up here, and then off uh, on one side, it kind of, uh, there's almost a, a horseshoe, and it goes down, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50, I don't know, it's not a cliff, but it goes down a pretty steep hill, and then it widens out into this uh, valley below, uh, kind of, it's almost like a bowl. And so we do some of our games and different things, and, and I knew that that was there, and so I, in my head, as I'm dreaming up this water balloon game, I thought, well, this is, this is uh, we, can, we can use this to our advantage. And so I, I, I sent all the, 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 the team students down, uh, down the hill, and I kept their adult leaders on top with the water balloon launchers. And the concept was quite simple, really. Each team down in the, in the valley below would hold hands in a circle, right? So they're all circled up. And then, uh, then, then the, uh, the, the adult leaders at the top would launch balloons, trying to land them into their team's circle. I mean, seems pretty... Pretty simple to me. Uh, teams can move around. Oh, wait, one's coming. We can, but you got to, you know, work together and do all the things. And and uh, if the balloon hits inside the circle, you get a point. Of course, if you hit in, in another team's circle, then they get a point. And uh, you know, so this is this is the game. I mean, quite simple. In my mind, I'd venture to say it was even easy. Funny though, there were there were a couple of things I didn't factor in. One was. Uh, I still kind of, there seemed to be a steep learning curve for the adults launching these water balloons accurately. Um, and I'm not, sh- be that as it may, whatever. And then, but the second thing that I didn't factor in was the, the actual velocity and the power of a fully filled water balloon after it is launched high into the sky and then goes down over the hill, 20, 30, 40, 50, however, however far down that was, and then hits in the valley below. There were many balloons that day that missed their mark. I, they hit a lot of middle schoolers, I'm just saying. <laughs> Legs and arms and backs and a couple of headshots. I mean, the camp nurse was very busy that day. I remember a whole lot of, uh, of ice packs, all right? Uh, and, uh, and, and not too many points were scored, if I remember right. It's, it's safe to say 
that I definitely missed the mark. I mean, those adults missed the mark too. They, but I definitely missed the mark in, in planning that, uh, that game that day. Now, you've probably never hit a sixth grader in the head with a water balloon before. Maybe you have. I don't know. I'd venture the guess, though, that you have missed the mark at a time or two in your life. And actually, that's not a guess, right? Because we just read it. We've all, every single manner, uh, person in humanity uh, has, has uh, committed transgressions and sins. We've missed the mark. We've missed God's standard of righteousness. Thankfully, uh, no one involved in my game came away with anything but bruises. But, but when we miss the mark in our spiritual lives, the Bible says it results in being dead in our sin. It says in verse 2 that we find ourselves in that place because we've, we've quote, followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Uh, that, that's just a fancy way of saying that we've obeyed earthly wisdom and we followed the lead of the devil and our own evil desires instead of following the leadership of God in our lives. And when we do those things, we miss the mark. We've chosen to obey the wrong ruler. We've chosen to obey the wrong king. We've allowed sin and selfishness to reign in our hearts and, and in our lives. I mean, it, it comes naturally. We're, we're born with a, a bent towards sin and, and we follow that leading, which is exactly where our enemy, the devil, uh, where, where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. And although it may feel okay in the moment and may even seem like a great thing to do at the time, just like launching water balloons off a, off a cliff, uh, letting sin reign in our lives leads nowhere good we've missed the mark that equals death death is final that's it it's over except when it's not because of the entanglement of love and that's what easter is all about because we've got to keep reading we can't just stop at verse three ephesians chapter two verse four uh turns everything around it says but because of his great love for us God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That is the power of love. When love reigns in our lives, it changes everything. God's love makes dead things live. I think, I think this between verse three and verse four in Ephesians chapter two, it's one of the greatest turning points in all of scripture. Those first few verses describe us mired in our sin, wallowing in depravity. It leads to death. We've missed the mark. Everything is, is, is awful. And then verse four just turns it all around. We were dead. We would stay that way, except that God did not forget the entanglement of love. Because of God's love for us, he sent Jesus. He looked at humanity, his creation, uh, who had turned against him, who had sinned, disobeyed, followed a, dif a different ruler. And instead of, of condemning and wiping us out, which would have made sense, he sent his only son in order to give us the chance to live again because of his great love for us. How do we know that God loves us? What is the evidence that, that no matter what you've done, God is ready to heal and save and forgive? Easter. Jesus and his death and resurrection is the proof of his love. They say uh, uh, back uh, in the mid-1800s, there was a renowned artist by the name of Paul Gustave Doré. And I'm sure I'm not saying that right, but I'm going to say it that way anyway. 
they, they, he was traveling through Europe and he had lost his passport. And, and when he came to a border crossing, he explained, uh, that, that he had lost his passport, but, but he told them who he was. He was rather, rather well known, uh, around Europe at the time. And so he hoped that the guard would recognize him and, and, and he'd be allowed to pass anyway. And, and, but the guard said that there's a whole lot of people that attempt to, uh, uh, to, to get through without having their passport. And, and so, uh, uh, Dore was going to have to prove uh, that uh, that that he was who he claimed he he was that that okay you're this famous artist you need to prove it he said we're we're gonna we're gonna give you a test and if you pass it then we'll let you go through and and he handed him a pencil and a pad of paper and he said draw that guy over there. And, and he, and draw that guy over, three or four or five different, uh, different ones. And, and Dore very quickly and very adeptly, uh, did it so, so much so that, uh, that he convinced the guards that he was who he claimed to be. His work confirmed his word. Jesus' work confirms his word too. He, he, he was faithful even to death on a cross, but death did not have the, the last word and the final say. Love did. Because of God's great love for us, he made us alive in Christ. Christ who died and rose again. Jesus went to extreme measures because of his love. Maybe, maybe you've been reading uh, this week uh, in the Gospels the, the horrific torture that, that Jesus endured through Passion Week, uh, walking through those, those, uh, those horrific days. He was beaten, he was whipped, he, uh, a crown of thorns was driven into his head, spikes were nailed into his wrists and ankles, and he endured it all because he was driven by the power of love. Love reigned that day. In this, in this sermon series, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at how love reigns in our lives. It, it, it happened on that Easter Sunday. It, it, it continues today. Uh, love can reign over our past and the things that we struggle with in the past. That's next week. And then, then love reigns in our present and how we live out our, our lives these days. And, and, and love reigns in our future. We don't have to be anxious about what's coming next because love reigns over it all. That's where we're headed over the next few weeks. But, but today, do, do you remember that part of the Easter story where they, where they posted a sign above Jesus' head? It's, uh, it, it, if we can read that together. Um, okay, maybe not, unless you know Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever. Just checking if you're paying attention. It says, and the only reason I know that is because it's translated in our scripture, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Now, now, Pilate, uh, the, the governor at the time, was, was not uh, displaying his great faith. This was completely tongue-in-cheek, right? They was mocking Jesus' claims. It was actually, though, uh, Jesus' claim to be king was actually a pretty big reason why he was crucified. Um, that didn't sit well with Romans of the day because... Because Caesar was, was the ultimate ruler. They actually thought he was God. And, and, uh, so if, if, uh, if someone else claimed to be king, then that was, uh, that was treason. And so didn't sit very well with Rome. Jesus claimed to be king didn't sit very well with the, uh, with the, with the Jewish king of the, of the region as well, Herod. Uh, he was, uh, 
placed there by Rome in order to be responsible for leading the, uh, the Hebrew people at the time. And uh, he'd already killed John the Baptist uh, for speaking out against him. And, and so Jesus' claim to be a, a ruler, to be the king, threatened Herod's authority. And so Herod was in on this whole plan to, uh, to, to go ahead and, and give, the, give the thumbs up for Jesus to be crucified. Of course, Jesus' claim to be a spiritual king went against everything the religious rulers of the day uh, 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 believed as well and and he was it wasn't just treason to them he's it was literally blasphemy he's claiming to be god and and this was not something that they could just let go and so primarily because of disputes over over who or what authority governed their lives the religious and the political leaders of that day had jesus executed the, the sign over his head mocked his claims. Passersby, even as he hung on the cross, ridiculed and insulted him. If you're really king, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you show us your power? Why don't you, why don't you come on down from there? Uh, if you're really the king, prove it. None of them understood that the true test of Jesus' power and authority was not in his ability to save himself from crucifixion, but in his ability to overcome the death that he was about to die. The proof would come a few days later on, on Sunday morning at the empty tomb. But to get there, Jesus would have to die that cruel death on a cross because of his great love for us. And I don't know, can I just say that I think sometimes we miss the proof of Jesus' lordship in our lives because we're expecting him to prove himself in certain ways and he does something different. Many people have, have declared in their hearts that, that, that they will never trust in Jesus unless, and, and unless, unless he meets my expectations, unless he does what I want him to do. Uh, they, they want Jesus to come through for them, to, to heal their relatives or give them a job or stop world hunger or, or write something in the sky so they know what decision to make. Uh, they can never allow themselves to see Jesus as king unless he does what they want him to do, what they, what they think he should do. And I think that it's the same kind of struggle that plagued those who were at Jesus' crucifixion. They wanted him to prove himself the way they thought he should. But, but when we demand Jesus to prove himself on our terms, we rob ourselves of seeing what only he can do. Because there can only be one king. If there is any king but Jesus on the throne of our hearts... It leads to spiritual death. We're, we're dead in our transgressions and sins as we follow our own cravings and, and the, the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, right? We just read that. Uh, we're, we're, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. But when God's love reigns in us, we move from death to life. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, with Christ, even as we were dead in transgressions. Jesus made it all possible uh, by submitting to crucifixion and death. He was raised to life, and now because he loves you, he wants you to come alive with him. So on this Easter Sunday, 2021, we have to ask the question that's really an age-old question that goes clear back. Who or what is on the throne of your heart? What authority is leading your life? If it is anything but Jesus and his love, it, it won't lead anywhere that lasts. We've, we've all sinned. We've, we've uh, bowed to, uh, to the rule of things that are less than God. We've missed the mark. The message of Easter is all about the power of love 
and the life that it brings. What was dead can live again because of his great love for us. So don't forget the entanglement of love. Jesus has not. Do you feel like, like you're, you're missing the mark in your life right now? Jesus already knows exactly where each of us are in our relationship with him. And he's ready to forgive. He, he stepped out of heaven even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus came to us, people who have missed the mark repeatedly. And instead of condemning us, he loved us. He loves you more than you will ever understand. Submit yourself to his authority in your life. Let love reign. That is the power of love. 